Hey everyone, it's Mallow, your host of Identico After Dark and the creative director here for Identico. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by Gamers Heaven and their newest location just north of Seattle, Washington. There, in a family-friendly and welcoming environment, you can play tabletop or video games, read manga, or just relax with friends and sample some amazing drinks from their boba tea bar. If you want to learn more, log on to GamersHeavenSeattle.com to see hours and location. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, Fringers. The following podcast may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's episode of Identico After Dark, a live stream and podcast where we talk about video games, TV, music, movies, and more. My name is Mallow, and I am joined, as I always am, by my co-conspirator, Alex the Humanoid. Welcome in, sir. What's going on? I got hot chocolate because it's snowing outside like it is in our background. Yup. Still snowing. Still not living in a place that understands snow at all. Nope. Not a bit. I'm done. No more snow. <laughs> done. It's not that it was, bad. It's not that it's, bad. It's fun for like two days. I can play with my kid. I can build a snowman. We can throw snowballs. The dogs like it. And then I'm done. Look, this is a perfect opportunity to get old man yelling at clouds. Yeah, it is. Take your camera with you. Go outside and yell at this guy, please. Yep. Yeah, old man yell at clouds. Film at eleven. Uh, it's the perfect time to spend inside drinking boba at a game store. That's all I'm saying. You Very can true. catch uh, the first of our panelists there tonight, uh, or they're not there tonight. Usually, you can catch him there. It's getting Joe his daily boba. Getting his daily boba tea. It's Joe. Speaking Welcome of in. boba, yeah, I got an idea nice. for the thumbnail that's going to be really weird. <laughs> and I may be able to pull it off. We'll see. All right, let's do, do it. it. Our other panelists tonight. Joining us again for this week because he's got thoughts and opinions on Boba the Fat. I mean, we got Boba the, the Drink and Boba the Fat. Yeah, it's fine. It's Michael. Welcome in, sir. Thank you. I just got to show off my preparation. <laughs> Look at it. It, it matches nice. the beanie, too. He's like branded and everything. Like, he is I, uh, way I more prepared man. than me. I coordinated. Uh, my wife beautiful. was actually very impressed by my coordination tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we are talking uh, The Book of Boba Fett, uh, new Disney Plus show, uh, debuted uh, late last year, uh, right after the end of Hawkeye. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. Light spoilers tonight for episodes one and two, if you haven't caught up with those yet. We'll be talking mm-hmm. about some plot points and how that connects to the larger Star Wars universe, because uh, we've got Kenobi series coming up. We've got Andor series coming up. Uh, and we've got Joe's favorite series that'll happen eventually, um, coming up too. All of this will likely connect to all of that. Um, but I kind of want to just, we've got a couple episodes in, we're, we're at a point now where we can start to get like a a general understanding. There's only seven episodes, uh, for Mm -hmm. the season. So it's again, a a typical limited run Disney plus show. Uh, I just kind of want to start off with some general thoughts and feelings, uh, from the panel tonight. On, on the show. Michael, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Are you going to make me go first? Yeah. 
I I looked you... at I looked at the the program monitor and then I looked at the other monitor and you were smiling so I was let's go with you. I'm gonna give you my hot take. This is my hot take. Okay. And uh, my hot take is I enjoyed it. I enjoyed chapter one. Um, in my opinion, it is the weakest first episode of a Disney Plus series yet. Okay. All right. Uh, mm. I feel uh, I you know again I was on board for this the moment that they brought Boba Fett into Mando. Uh, I love Tamir Morrison in the role. I think he does great. I like the combination of, of he and uh, Ming Na. I think they work great together. Mm. I just felt like the first episode the I came into it really wanting to bite into that juicy like crime syndicate Star Wars. I really wanted to get like a really good bite out of that apple. And I, I felt like the split between the flashbacks and the current storyline didn't service the story very well. Mm -hmm. At least personally, I, I felt that way. Um, so yeah, my hot take is that uh, I enjoyed it, but I felt like out of all the Disney Plus shows, and I am a Disney Plus like enthusiast slash apologist, I haven't disliked any of the shows. Um, I've liked every single one for different reasons. This one, I like it, but I, in hindsight, I watched the chapter one a second time, and I was like, yeah, it just isn't hitting on all cylinders. Interesting. Interesting. You're you're not the only person I've heard say that. Uh, so I guess before we get to Joe's deep, deep salt... <laughs> Joe pre right, his, pre warned us by the way that he came his, into his, the show tonight. His salty. Pink salt. Yeah, so you can uh, go ahead and drop all the salt in the chats. Okay. Um, <laughs> before we get there, um, I don't know if I'd call it the weakest first episode. It definitely wasn't the strongest. I think that still belongs to Mandalorian season one, episode one, and that reveal at the end of that episode. Um, that being said, um, I don't disagree with you on the Underworld stuff not doing it. I would have cut the first two episodes differently to to make it feel more like that. Mm -hmm. I love the connections they're drawing, especially in episode two, to the Underworld. Mm -hmm. um, for, for all of our Star Wars fans out there, you're going to have to go back and watch Solo. You have to read some Dr. Aphra to see all the references. Mm -hmm. uh, I again, I don't know if it was the weakest first episode. That's a toss up. I think Let for me, me for between uh, that I say, and Hawkeye. When I say weak, I guess what I what I'm really speaking of is like I feel like they came into this with all of the with all of the thunder coming from Mandalorian and Boba's reveal on there, mm -hmm. and and you know the the fennec character on there like so like they came into this with a lot of goodwill at least for me you know on i was i was happy to see this happening right and especially the the initial trailer they cut like him you know we haven't they kind of did the whole like dethroning thing in the trailer at the end of mando so and when yep. this when this show starts that's already happened i mean you don't have to see that again he's already on the throne he's taking over right um but I felt like the writing was a little bit weak, like in general. Um, I felt like the chemistry that they showed you between uh, Fennec and Boba in the in the Mando, I feel like it really wasn't there very much in episode, in Chapter One, and it's better in Chapter Two. 
but they uh, you also didn't get much time with it because of how they cut the story um the flashbacks in one uh the whole and, and spoilers for those who haven't seen it the whole reveal of the how boba survived the sarlacc pit completely unnecessary to me like it felt like it felt like fan service because and i'll say only because like it's boba fett and if you thought that boba fett was going to fall into the sarlacc which takes a thousand years to digest somebody and not get out like come on uh, the upside being that i do like that the flashback stories in one and two here are giving us a nice deep dive into tuscan culture because i mm -hmm. think that's the most fascinating part of what they're telling like how boba got to where he is right now i'm not i'm less worried about that but i like getting to see this behind the scenes for tuscans that we really haven't gotten since like the the knights of the old republic games mm -hmm. like that was a, before knights of the old republic there really was barely anything about tuscans okay right so let's what do you got joe yeah yeah bring it why in say it like, why do you say it like that because oh, he's been like on this show with you enough. Yeah. I I guessed it on your Star Wars episode after episode eight, <laughs> right? When you all were doing Super Magical. Right? I still remember recording that episode of Super Magical with you and Mallow and me staring at you incredulously in Mallow's studio. This is in the before COVID times, everybody. In the right? pre times. In the pre times. Okay. <laughs> PC, that's how we're going to start referring to it. Um, like, so, 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 so let's, let's hear it. I, I just want to preface this real quick. Boba the Fett is Joe's person. So, like, and I mean, like, he's got his own Fett helmet. He's got his own Fett armor. He's got the Fett tattoo. Like, he's got it all. So the whole show now hinges on Joe's opinion. That's all I'm going to put out there. So I'm going to break this up into two particular sections. Okay. One, as far as the story goes, I, I don't hate it. Like like everyone, most people here have said, at least, I don't really care a whole lot for the flashbacks. I've never really liked any film or show that's done the whole, here's a little bit of current time. Oh, we're going to flash back for a little bit. And here's some more current time. Then we're going to flash back a little bit. I, I think that's a weak way of selling a story. Like if you wanted that flashback stuff in there as like an integral part of the story, you should have started with it. Like having the occasional like brief flashbacks to talk about something is fine. But when a half the story is being told in a flashback, I, I, I think it's lazy storytelling. Um, I'm not a fan of, of that particular segment of it. Um, I can say that whoever wrote this had previously seen Dune because this is basically a shot for shot remake of Dune in a lot of ways. And we can break that down later. Uh, very Lawrence of Arabia style too, which again is a, somewhat of an inspiration for Dune. I mean, there's some elements of Lawrence of Arabia in Dune. Um, I think I have a pretty good feeling for where the story is going to go within the first two episodes. And that is, to me, never a particularly good sign that a, that a story is going to be well written. Either they're, they're, they're following a formula and you're going to predict it the whole way through, or they're going to do the deus ex machina stuff and they're going to just throw some monkey rich in at the end of it to be like, ooh, look, we did something unexpected. <laughs> Instead of just 
being good writers to begin with. Um, the story, though, as far as Star Wars stories go, is pretty basic for a Star Wars film. Star Wars, I well, even not even just film, even if you bring in the old EU stuff and some of the newer stuff, Star Wars has always not been a particularly daring subject. They've always kind of borrowed bits and pieces and tropes from things, and it's it's gotten kind of Star Warsy formulaic, where you kind of expect the Star Wars cheese, and that's what this is. Um, my one big complaint about the story is the story is written like it was written by nerds who want to appear cool. The the dialogue, some of the dialogue is just atrocious. But that again, not new for Star Wars. <laughs> so I'm going to disagree with you, but I want you to finish. For the second part, Fat Man is my man. I was very proud of the, what they did with him in The Mandalorian. Dude literally rolls up and just mercs an entire Stormtrooper squad, basically single-handedly. And in this one, he's like, oh, I'm an invalid. I'm a cripple. I can't really do anything. I get my ass kicked by some a couple dudes with shields. And it's like, okay, you, you've like flip-flopped the tone without really setting any expectations. Like, if his ship had gotten damaged or something at the end of The Mandalorian, they could be like, oh, he's recovering from injuries. But they went from this, like, stellar badass in Mandalorian to Captain Cripple in this one. And I still like his his portrayal of Boba Fett, but I kind of wish they hadn't dialed that knob back so hard. Like, they, they should have kept the tone consistent. That was uh yeah I'll agree with you there Joe too that was one of my my complaints or one of the the troubles I had with that chapter 1 is that ambush that happened felt weak like we have seen we've seen what this Boba Fett can do we've seen what Fennec can do and the fact that basically the only reason they survived that was because they happened to have those two Gamorians mm-hmm. like that were with them that was the only reason that they made it through that ambush the way they did. And I felt like that was, okay, yeah, you want to give the payoff that Boba decided to hire these guys, right, to give them a pass, let them into his fold, so now they have a reason to be there. So are we covering covering episode two in this one? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll get into episode two. I think, yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to go, I don't want to dig too much. I just want to say I agree with you, Joe. I felt like that fight scene... Uh, you know, given the way they had portrayed Boba and Mando, that fight scene really didn't do anybody justice. So well, I have some tonal points for about episode two, but we can come back to this. Okay. So here's where I'm going to disagree with both of you on the whole he's an invalid cripple. What? By this point, our Star Wars super fans, Boba's old as shit. Okay? Like, Boba's old. And he's been through a lot um so what i got from that scene was not that they beat him because he was an invalid cripple i got that they beat him and fennec shand because boba wasn't taking fennec shand's advice she the whole time she's been like you cannot treat these people like x y and z and boba's like this is not how I want to do business, not how I want to do business. And as opposed to listening to Fennec Shand and starting his quest to, to you know, rule by respect, 
in the matter of I've got to show these people that I'm still the I can merc a squad of stormtroopers guy, right? He's like, yeah, go ahead and clean the helmet. Yeah, do the thing. Like, I didn't get that they beat him because he was an invalid cripple. I beat him in that even the best fighter, when they're caught on their back foot, they're caught on their back foot. I so would, I didn't get invalid cripple. I got, I, he's I not would, taking this seriously. I would agree with you if they hadn't immediately cut to him doing the scene, basically being dragged to a back to tank and keep putting him back in the back to tank over and over and over again. They're, they're doing a showcase with the back to tank to tell you he's not well. I, I disagree with the invalid cripple part only because I feel like that's uh, I don't feel like that's the tone they were going for. They are, I think, trying to show that he is certainly not the uh, fighter in his prime. But I don't think that they went out of their way to show him as being weak in that way. I thought it was that yeah, it was a weird tonal shift. Like I said, the tonal shift from, you know, Mando to this where you see this guy literally single-handedly with a gaffy stick for the most part take out an entire stormtrooper quad hitting them so hard he's shattering their armor yeah and then these you know with fennec at his side these guys ambush him and it seems as though they have no problem keeping him corralled and i mean the whole time i'm thinking you have a jetpack just hop out of that circle like <laughs> see, that was the only thing in that scene that messed me up was i was like oh. your jetpack's on dude your jetpack's yeah. on just jetpack up and start shooting you have a jetpack you have the grappling line you have the yeah. flamethrower you have the missile that he used one time and i don't know i just I, 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 I will i, like I will say this fight time was the fight scene was weaker because of that way it was presented, I think. The fight scene was worse than the fight scene in Ahsoka. I will say that. The, 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 mm, it was, I would disagree with that just because the fight scene in Ahsoka you, you was would just, awful. Yeah, but that's because you hate Ahsoka. Uh, I will say this, and this is this is going to really piss some people off, and, and I'm here for it. Uh, if you're following the current Star Wars canon, other than one shot of brilliance in The Mandalorian... All Boba Fett has done so far in canonical, like Star Wars film, is getting his ass kicked every time. All he's done is gotten his ass kicked. He he does a lot of cool shit in Clone Wars. And you know, I'm saying film, not animation, because I haven't caught all the animations. You know, the whole ambushing Luke and and Bespin on Empire Strikes Back, which he did show some ability there. And and following the Falcon and like you know drifting with the trash to track the Falcon again that's kind of a again shows the ingenuity of a. a good no, 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 no. I, I don't. I'm not discounting that he can be intelligent. I'm saying that in a fight, all I've seen him do is get his ass kicked. Well, and let's be honest, his his primary role, his his peak performance was in the holiday special. Well, this is true, <laughs> actually. But that's this still is also true. animation. Now, as to the as to the dialogue, I didn't think it sucked. I was like, the minute I saw who the executive producer was, one of the executive producers on the show, it immediately clicked for me after episode one. I went, oh, got it. Know exactly what they're doing. And I would argue that the dialogue writing is intentional. It's corny and cheesy and bad. It's intentional. <laughs> they're doing it. You can, So bad is a relative term. I can say that the corny and cheesy, the way they're writing it, fits a certain genre and i i'm here for it 
and I understand it. And I'm like, yes. Of course you're here for corny dialogue. So so here's the thing. One of the producers on this show that they've got for the entire series for this show was Robert Rodriguez. And he also plays like half the aliens. And he does like a quarter (laughs) of the aliens. Yeah, him and the other guys are doing the aliens. Robert Rodriguez made El Mariachi. He made Desperado. Mm -hmm. He made a lot of those old... He did... Just dialogue on. Yeah, I, I mean, on the writing front, I hate that they chose to call his title Daimyo. It's a spaghetti western. It's supposed to be a spaghetti western. It's this, and in fact, I'm I won't fine be shocked. Star Wars being a western. And I'm, I'm saying it's a, it's a spaghetti western. I will not be surprised if later in the series he recruits five more people and we have the seven samurai all he's over not, again. He's not, he's not going to recruit seven more people. He's going to have the Tuscan Raiders show up to help him save the day. So there we go. Seven samurai all over again. Right? It's hey. a spaghetti western. western. That's but what again, it's supposed to be. Spaghetti western is fine because Star Wars has always kind of been something of a western in in a lot of respects. Then why are you complaining? Come on, and we're we're really going to complain about this dialogue? Being, being I was going to go to Tachi Station and pick up some power converters. I, I, I prefaced it with saying the Star Wars has always had bad writing. That doesn't mean it has to always continue having bad writing. My problem is, is they do shit like call him Daimyo, like Daimyo. <laughs> For those we didn't do, I don't think we did a podcast about it. But for those of my friends who heard me bitch about Rogue One, my one complaint about Rogue One is they, uh, what was the name of the actor, the blind guy? I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head. But Star Wars, especially in the mainstream media, yeah, yeah. Star Wars as a mainstream has a really bad habit of shoehorning particular things into a category that I hate. Why did blind Asian looking space person have to be the Kung Fu master? (laughs) Why couldn't that have just been someone else? Why do we have to typecast shit like that? And why are we dragging any amount of real world air quote into a Star Wars universe? Yes. And I've seen this argument done that it's a galaxy far, far away. Chances are that they may have words similar to ours might actually be okay. Like whatever. Daimyo is a very specific title given in feudal Japan. It sounds awful in a Star Wars setting. It's terrible. That is the one, the Daimyo point is the one I will give you. It did throw me the first time I heard it. Especially since I'm pretty sure they had already existing canon to say what that title was that was not Daimyo. There was no, so in the old canon, there was nothing for for Jabba's position on Tatooine. but they've always referred to his people as, like, for example, Bib Fortuna was always his major domo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that was, I mean, that he was the major domo, you know, pre Disney buyout. Yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> Tip is saying that uh, Daimo is the head of a Yakuza clan. That's fine. There doesn't need to be Space Yakuza in Star Wars. Call them something else. I feel like Space Yakuza though would be so here's my pitch, Disney Plus. Uh you've heard okay. me you've heard me criticize your stuff. Um with which I feel like in terms of writing Have they heard you though? I know people. People have. People <laughs> have. If you really want a good series, just let Alex and I write a crime syndicate series set in Coruscant. 
We got you. Well, I'll take I'll take any what? planet. No, no, no just just give us Coruscant. We'll we make got you. One. We got you. Yeah. Cor Coruscant was supposed to be the setting for the Star Wars thirteen thirteen <laughs> game, mm -hmm. which was yep. supposed to basically be Star Wars Grand Theft Auto on Coruscant, and they poo pooed that because they're idiots. Be Boba Fett. 1313 yes. was supposed to be about how Boba Fett became Boba Fett. Which, and it, yeah. It could have been a really awesome game, but they poo-pooed it. But, but yeah. I mean, and it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not that I don't think there can't be a Yakuza-style gang syndicate in Star Wars, because it's going to happen in that kind of setting. But we don't have to be so, like, tongue-in-cheek about it and call them daimyos and uh, <laughs> knowing star wars they'll probably just take the name accusa and substitute a couple of letters and and they'll be able to, the rakuza or something like that but like come on, let's, just, let's figure so, something else let's be creative can we can we talk about some some nice things now do you have yeah. anything positive to say yeah <laughs> i loved can we, let's talk about episode so I want to say, and this is where I was like, oh yeah, Robert Rodriguez. And I see again where they're going. The train heist. Oh, for yeah. episode two. Yes. So I was going to say, do we want to talk good things about episode one first? Oh yeah. We haven't, really, we haven't really dived into two yet. Good things I would say about episode one. Uh, again, I, I, the casting has been great so far. I like the, of course, it's Disney Plus. It's Disney. They're going to give uh, a bunch of fan service in every episode and throw in little bones throw in pieces of lore things that again they kind of uh, hick back to uh, you get uh, the the torture bot is now kind of inadvertently the protocol droid for the throne room <laughs> I like that um, the, and I'm going to give total props for the throne room set the throne room set looks fantastic mm -hmm. like oh, I, yeah. I, did, I did see something about how they had to recreate it and I was, it, when they when they show you the throne room, it feels right. It feels, it's a little bit more well lit than it was before. But yeah, other it's than intentional. That, it, it feels right. Yeah, definitely. I feel like yeah. that's intentional too. I like um, the I like the set design. I'll agree with that. The throne room sure. and and it was at Mos Espa. I think they're they keep showing. I, I like the changes and the updates they've done there. That's mm -hmm. that's been pretty I, nice. Let's let's give like it up her. for the Cantina Band making uh, <laughs> continual slow yes. uh, jazz. The Cantina Band with like the yeah like the the samba version of the Cantina theme. Yeah. Right. Well, so here's the thing: if you watch it, and I watch everything with closed captions because my hearing's starting to go. Uh, it actually says, like. Modified version of Cantina theme in the closed <laughs> captions. Yeah, really. Yeah, it does. It says that it's a, a a a basically a remix of the original Cantina theme in the closed captions. So but I will say one of the uh, the nice things about episode one, and this is also partially about Mandalorian too. <coughs> Excuse me. I really like the update of Boba Fett armor. I kind of wish he had more like leg plates. I feel like he's a little top heavy the way they've got it designed right now. But I don't hate it, and I, I really, really love how they left in a lot of the like Easter eggs, so to speak, like the dent in the helmet. Like they could have like just scrubbed all that and said he repaired his arm, but but they left that kind of stuff in there because that's kind of a throwback to the older thing. I like it, and not to get too far in episode two. In episode two, you see him bring out his trademark EE3 blaster, which you didn't really see up until then, and that has also been updated in a way that still feels like the original, but also still feels kind of new. 
So um, one of the things I like about the flashbacks, and one of the things, and it relates to the costume, is I love the way he's incorporated, because you see it in Mandalorian. When he puts on the armor in Mandalorian, finally, he's got the black robes underneath it, and it's, you know, you see the distinct difference between he's wearing in the flashback the gray jumpsuit that he used to always wear underneath the armor. I love the way that the robe kind of comes down behind his legs now. The black underneath the armor, I think, looks so much better. Well, the changes I, they've made make him look very much like a, a wizened old fighter. I think the way the the robe comes back, it hangs down behind the leg, is a throwback to the. I, there's a name for him. I can't remember what they're called, but the the clone troopers had the like the leather skirts that came down. I think yep. it's a nod back to that. Could be, but I just I love the black underneath the armor more. Mm-hmm. When they revealed Boba in Mandalorian, I, I literally told my group of close local friends, I was like, this like this is the first time I've ever actually considered doing a Boba Fett cosplay. Mm. Like <laughs> the new outfit is very much big guy friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I think honestly, part of it too, like I'm torn between the Mando outfit and the new armor. Like the the new look. Um because there are a number of differences between that Tuscan robes with the armor versus the kind of the way he's wearing it now. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the two costumes, there's a number of distinct differences. Well, um, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Well, like I, I think it's a it's a wonderful thing uh, uh, play on, on the Boba Fett the character, especially the the one they're kind of making now. Because in the EU, he was a lot similar, but a little different. And then this one. Um, I, I think the changes in design is showcasing that he is embracing change. He's not necessarily sticking to what he used to do. Um, he's he's especially the addition of the black robes. It's saying, "Look, I'm making this new part of me part of my persona. This is me now." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't hate that. I know there's some people. My brother's not a huge fan of how they've changed up some of his armor because he's kind of a, a super commando purist. Mm. Uh, I kind of think that's okay, especially since they went out of their way in Mando to for him to say, I'm not a Mandalorian. So. And that's that's pretty critical in how they've changed the character from the old EU, how they're redoing the Mandalorians, but keeping some of the old EU stuff for the Mandos. Um, so I kind of actually like what they're doing with that stuff too. I, I, I agree with you, Joe. I think it's a good way to have the character be expanded beyond just you know everybody forgets and and if you i actually highly recommend on disney plus there's an art there's a documentary called behind the armor Mm -hmm. and it's all about boba fett and the thing is is that boba fett in the original trilogy has four lines of dialogue right he was designed to be he's worth a lot to me i mean you know blah 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 there was nothing and he yeah, captured everybody's imaginations. By having a badass armor. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. The, the T-visor is like, everyone sees that and they're like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so much well, so that they, they make that in, as an actual helmet now in, like, uh, in a lot of uh, Modern Warfare, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah. There's, there's a Modern Warfare. because Well, that's because some, some guy went and actually made some tactical armor in the real world that was based off of it but like i see the boba fett influence and across a lot of genres uh specifically off the top of my head planet side 2 has a ton of t-visor helmets now Mm -hmm. destiny has it 
the army's working on a new face visor that involves mm -hmm. the T style design. <laughs> I mean, really? Let's be honest. Yes. Like the the T visor a is a very old design. Like the the Greeks had some. Yeah. So. So but yeah, it's just a cool design. And another another good thing about uh, the first episode, I will say, is I liked. So they they also introduced the character of the mayor of Espa, but not so much the mayor, but the mayor's major domo. Yeah. And I don't recall the actor's name, but the actor, I'd previously seen that actor on the show Veep on HBO, and he plays uh, the ex-husband of the vice president. And he is killing it in this in this role in Boba Fett. Like, he's playing this slimy, skeezy, like, like just political... Oh. He's like, doing good at portraying a character. I'm not gonna like slap him. Oh, yeah. love it. I'm not, I'm not gonna try and mispronounce his his last name. It's David. Starts with a P. <laughs> David P. Very good. And David he's P, the major you're doing a wonderful job. He is doing a wonderful job. Yeah. The only thing casting wise, and again, this is this is a me thing completely. I was a big Agents of Shield fan, and Ming Na Wen still to me is Agent May, and I see so much of Agent May bleeding into this character. And I'm just <laughs> I, like, I'm like, it's Agent May in space. I really I, hope... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Joe. I really liked her as an actress, but again, I feel, I feel like she's getting typecast quite a bit, because the last, like, three or four shows I've seen her in, she's played basically the same character. The, the one difference to that is um, the Marvel film Shang-Chi. Um, she wasn't in Shang-Chi. Wasn't she? Yeah. No. Who am I thinking so she, was, she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Maybe I'm uh, thinking she, of someone different. She she is the of Mich you're probably thinking of Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Um, she also, Ming-Na Wen, was the original Mulan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> By the way, it's David Paquesi. Thank I you. Don't, for Mok Shia's Major Domo. She was also in that Final Fantasy animated film they made so long. Not the good one based oh, on Seven, Advent but the other Children? one. <laughs> no, Spirits Within. Oh, God. Oh, I'm going yeah. to be very upset <gasps> if Boba Fett doesn't shoot the Major Domo, the mayor's aide. I'm I, was half <laughs> I was half expecting him to shoot that receptionist guy who was like, do you have an appointment? I was like, when's Boba just going to be like... I just wanted Boba <laughs> to hold... So I wanted Boba to hold that guy down and shave his mustache. But um, <laughs> uh, just one more one more good thing about uh, the first episode before we move on. And that is, again, I feel like as much as I wasn't a big fan of the way that the writing kind of played between the flashbacks and the current story... Again, I feel like they did a good job setting up the fact that Boba clearly doesn't really know what he's getting into. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, really hoping that they give Fennec a little more to do mm. than just kind of be his, uh, hey, by the way, you should do it this. Mm. Oh, oh, you should do this. Like, I want, I want to see a little bit more about Fennec. I hope they give Fennec some more story development through the course of this. The, I do the, too. the thing that I will say is right now in the first two episodes of, of Book of Boba Fett is it, it is reading a little bit like a Star Wars glossary. Um, and it is it is going very deep into a lot of very obscure lore that a lot of people probably have had no exposure to so far. 
and it's not and it doesn't have the the cute child hook that the mandalorian had and things like that where it can build up to the big reveals in that show um now as somebody who studied star wars a lot i'm okay with it because like it's a very slow pace to this show as compared to like mandalorian um but i'm okay with that to a degree because coming especially coming off a of hawkeye and how frantic the end of that show was and then you roll into this and it's more methodical it's more organic i think is a good way I, I don't usually like to use that term very much but it does feel like a more organic show than maybe even you know on the on the same kind of lines as like rogue one was very organic you know um whereas mm -hmm. mandalorian still feels a little bit too much like a gunslinger which may you know has might be the tone that they are going for with it and that's fine um but it does feel a little bit more like it, it's methodically paced and we're going to have a different type of ending to this one i don't super <laughs> agree with the the assessment that it feels like boba fett doesn't know what he's doing i think he's this is going to be one of those ones where it's a long play where he knows exactly what he's doing and the reasons for him he, he's trying to go for like a softer more reasonable approach to being a crime lord which is i think a little unusual <laughs> a for boba i never fett. thought i would hear yeah um, but I That's think something like a compassionate conservative. I, I, think, I think it's going to come out that he knows exactly what he's doing, and he's not actually bumbling. No, I and like again, I never get I, the I, sense he was bumbling. I I don't say that to say like he's dumb by any means. I feel like he the the feeling I got from this first episode is that he stepped he like he came in, took out Bib Fortuna, stepped into this role thinking maybe it was going to go a way that it, it's going to go it was going to go differently than it is right now like i think he felt like boba i'm boba fett everybody knows me I, everybody knows i'm boba fett hey i can i can step in here and i've got the reputation i've got you know all this stuff behind me that will let me just kind of step into this role and that it's not as easy you know as again as fennec was trying to say it's not going to be as easy as you seem to think it is um, to, to comment on Other Duck uh, for the for the podcaster, oh, yeah. Other Duck was talking about how Star Wars is uh, basically Kurosawa spiritual inspired type film, which I agree with you. It is hundred percent, and I know that said as much. Yeah, and I, and I know Star Wars is there's probably a lot more words in Star Wars that are borrowed from real world languages than I really give it credit for. My problem is not that they borrowed words because, I mean, they're telling it in English or whatever language you happen to be listening it to. They're telling it in an Earth language, so they're going to have to use some language in, that, that crosses over. But there's some specific ones like like uh, using, uh, like, for example, a, a mob don or a... Um, God, what was the name? The, the, the Spanish ones. What were they well, called? I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, I just don't like the it, it's something it's very on the nose like it, it's it, it's like if they suddenly started calling jedi samurai right like, and so <laughs> i mean they kind of are i mean they, they definitely are samurai <laughs> yeah but they don't call them samurai and jedi itself i have seen that there is a japanese correlation to the word jedi but it's so obscure that you have to dig through multiple layers to get to it whereas daimyo like next thing you know they're going to start calling the mayor shogun like it's it's i it's, don't think they're gonna go that far um yeah. 
I don't think they're going to go that far. Again, I understood it. It threw me a little bit. I'm just kind of letting that one, the Daimyo thing, ride. I think it's more interesting because if you just take the original movies into context and not a lot of the other canon stuff, the idea that whoever's in basically Jabba's position was basically the one running the planet was not something you got from the original trilogy, right? In that it's, you're the mayor here because I said so, was not something I got. Even when you look at the prequels and stuff like that, like I never got that sense of Jabba's level of power on Tatooine. I just figured Tatooine's his base of operations for running his syndicate. Cool. And they just leave him alone. And it's so far out in the outer rim that nobody gives a crap. Alex, since you since you kind of jumped into it, well, like, let's let's hit episode two. Like we've kind of done episode one. Like let's let's jump in. And I know in in the chat on the Discord, you said you were pretty happy with this episode. So why don't you start? So again, episode this, two. This is one where I I felt Robert Rodriguez DNA a lot in how they're making these. I felt a lot of the spaghetti westerns. The flashbacks is like dancing with wolves all over again. Right, but I like the way they're dancing with Tuscans. And actually, at the end, that was literally what I was thinking. Was I was like, "It's dancing. It's a dance. They're dancing." Okay. Um. And there's something specific about the the one who's kind of acting as his teacher with the Tuscans um, that I want to ask at the end uh, if anybody else got this sense. And I had to go look it up on IMDb because I was just curious. Um. I really like that whole sequence, right? I like the fact that he's having to see that, like, he's had this reputation as the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy, and I can freeze people with a look, right? And now he's being humbled and is having to relearn how to be a warrior. Um, I like the concept. I like the idea that he's like, you know what? I'm going to let you live after they take the train, you know, but I'm not doing it just out of magnanimity, you know. Um, overall, I, I think it's a much stronger episode than the first one, right? I don't know if I go say, so far to say the first was the worst. It's a much stronger episode. The stuff with the twins, the deep cuts in there with the gladiator. Um, well, let's, the, let's, let's also the, cover the fact that this episode managed to make a CGI hut that didn't look terrible. Uh, and the CGI, the, the two huts look great. I, I saw the gladiator and I was like, God, that motherfucker's got to be so hot in that fur. In the middle of the, the time of the um, I, I just love the Western enoughs of it. I love the train heist. I love the fact that instead of horses, they stole some swoops and then he went into a bar and like beat up the, the the cattle wrestlers who were stealing the water from the first episode to take the swoops to bring them back to the Tuscans. They're like, I will teach you how to ride swoops. Yeah. And then they did a train heist. I was like, this is everything I want out of Star Wars. It's wonderful. <laughs> this is great. And not this, a Skywalker is, to be found. And oh not, yeah. Not a not a force user. Let's go past Skywalker. Yeah, not a force right? user to be found. Yeah. Not a force user. Not a Grogu. And I love Grogu, but so not a force In the first episode, there's a pretty intentional uh, um, Lars household throwback. Yeah. Um, like, that was pretty blatant. They're doing they're doing deep cuts on stuff, and that's fine. But again, I don't see any Jedi running around. I don't see anybody using the Force. Yeah. If they can get through this whole seven-episode run with nobody who uses the damn Force... 
it will be better for it. Well, I hate um, to break it to you, but that ain't gonna happen. So I'm I can only hope. Um, there are some interesting rumors about what's gonna happen in this show, and I guess we could talk about those later to see if we all think they're true. Um, but I I really enjoyed I like him making his gaffy stick, which you see him mark the stormtroopers with in Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Love that sequence. And you can see like this is a guy who enjoys learning shit, right? Like that whole sequence without dialogue, when the guy's teaching him how to make the gaffy, and it's like, here, here, da da da. Thought it was wonderful. The way that whole sequence went. I, I passed the torch. I'm going to echo the I hope it goes without uh, a force thing, but I'm going to modify it a little bit. And I would say I would be happy if they made it the entire series without Jedi or Sith. If they had some other Force-using group that wasn't in an analog for one of those two things, I would be fine with that. Like if they he went and talked to a mystic or there was a healer or you know something to that effect, because there's been hints all along, especially in the old EU, that there are other Force-using groups out there. And they kind of brought that back in with uh, episode 789 uh, with, um, God, what was her name? The bartender lady. See, those movies are so forgettable, I can't even remember how her <laughs> name was. But anyway, they, they kind of... Mas, Mas Kanata. Yeah, yeah. Mas Kanata. They, they kind of hinted at it. They never really outright said, look, she's going to use the Force, but she's not a Jedi. Um, but they, they, they've hinted at it. So if they could just not have Jedi or Sith, I'm fine with that. Um, I think we're probably going to see somebody. I'm guessing probably Ahsoka since Ahsoka or some some reference to Ben Kenobi at some point in this because those are going to be upcoming shows and they really like to drop in teasers here and there about it. Maybe maybe they're not going to directly show up, but like maybe a hologram or a message or something will show up about it. I don't know. Um, As far as the content in the second episode, I'll agree it's a lot better. Um, It's... I think partly for me because it's a lot more action based. Um, I don't think Star Wars does super well with stories where there's not a lot of action. I think that's you go to see a Transformers movie because you want to see robots beating each other up. You go to a Star Wars movie because you want to see some space fighting of some variety, either on the ground or let's be honest, Star Trek does amazing fleet battles. Uh, I can't wait till there's more of those. Uh, but there's some tongue-in-cheek stuff about it that uh, that did legitimately give pause, and I'm not upset about it because it, it is probably not their intent. But like, there's some cultural sensitivity things with the train scene that I think they kind of glossed over a little bit that I wasn't super happy about originally. Um, but when I when I stopped and thought about it, I, I realized that was definitely not their intent. So leave that as it is. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. I, I, I think it, it was, again, pretty standard for a Star Wars show. And it, it didn't break any barriers. It didn't make me go, oh, wow, this was, you know, transcendent. It, it, it was a Star Wars show. It's pretty through and through. Um, I kind of, I just still kind of wish they would stop dumping him in a back to tank every two minutes or at least <laughs> explain why they're doing it. Uh, That'll be I, I episode get- five. I'm guessing it has something to do with him being a clone and some kind of degeneration that, that goes along with it. That was my guess too. Yeah. Is it has something to do with the clone. 
factor. Yeah, I'm guessing that's probably what. I mean, being in a Sarlacc for even a short amount of time probably didn't do his health any any good, so they may still be dealing with the after effects of that. Um, but this one did very clearly submit me in the idea that the Tusken Raiders are the stand-in for the Fremen, that the Huts were the Baron Harkonnens, and they got thrown off the planet because Jabba died, and then someone else came and took it over, and then now... You know, I think they're going to eventually work up to the point where Boba Fett is leading a Tusken Raider rebellion and to do some kind of, for lack of a better term, social advancement for them, either through taking, making them truly independent and getting people to stop hunting them randomly. Um, but yeah, fairly formulaic. I think it broadcasts the intent of the show going forward pretty hard. I kind of wish they hadn't done that quite as much, but all in all, pretty decent. So, uh, when does Han Solo show up? I would well, legitimately I shit my pants a little bit if they had a Han Solo cameo. Specifically, let's leave Get that for the end because I want to, I want to, I want to touch on that. But let's let's what's Michael got to say about Episode Two? Yeah. Um, I was actually going to skip to to Mallow since you know he's been kind of quiet about some of this stuff. For the most oh, part, I know he's, I know he's a little point. tired. This is what uh, he does. He, he sits in the I corner know. and picks and prods. I, I, and... I, I, sh- I stroke the beard and I host the show. That's what I do. I, people don't so show up for host, my stuff. As the host, <laughs> how did you feel about episode two? Uh, I, I like that. That's where I get a little bit of the organic feel from it, right? The the uh, the idea of getting the lore behind Tuscan Raiders and getting more of that flushed out and they go from being uh wasteland ruffians to a more deep and understanding tribal society and we get to see that played out in a very nuanced way on film i liked that part i liked it a lot i liked that (laughs) boba had to learn how to communicate with him for crying out loud. He had to learn how to do all of these things. The big, the big criticism about Boba Fett is that he's always, he's, he's the 007 of the star Wars universe. He's nothing without his gadgets. And we saw in Mandalorian that he could handle himself with a gaffy stick. And you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) hold up. And, and so between the two things, you can draw the comparison now or draw the timeline at least, um, of, how he loses armor to some Jawas again, getting his ass kicked uh, to actually learning how to fight because is to the best of our knowledge, at least on the current canon, we don't know if Boba ever learns how to fight. He lost, he lost his dad uh, in episode two movie. And then he learns to be a bounty hunter based on what his dad taught him. But again, it was all tricks and, and gadgets. Yeah. Yeah, but again, you, you there's got, more of that in the animated series. That yeah, you got to get them cartoons. Like I, literally, I ain't got young time Boba for that. Fett, young <laughs> Boba Fett basically runs with a bounty hunter crew. Like that's where he learns all the yeah. tricks of the trade. Well, so and, and Mandalorians are meant to be able to hunt Jedi, uh, old canon at least, right? Like they are more equipped to be able to handle some of that stuff. So there is some of that, but it's just the. The, the understanding that he's learning hand-to-hand combat, he's learning different ways of working through things, uh, and being shown on film in, in, you know, in an adult, I guess. Not that The Clone Wars was a kid's show. Um, look at the themes it in that was. fucking show. No, it was not. 
There are some definite themes that should not be shown yeah, to kids. Say, in the later seasons, especially. Yeah. yeah. It was a kid show. Through and through. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. You were jumping in. Um, this is more of a question for uh, those of you who have religiously watched Clone Wars. Did they ever discuss in Clone Wars why he has the dent in his helmet? No. Uh, it is explained elsewhere in canon they do explain it and i i'd have to go look but i know it has been explained in the new canon um i'm I'm curious in the old canon he got a fighting darth vader right and in the new canon it's the same thing because of the stuff with beskar Mm -hmm. um and how beskar works um and the new canon they still are using they're still calling it beskar it is still beskar but i'm not as clear on the rules yeah and of what for, what Beskar can do. For those who don't know, in the old canon, which I don't know if it's the same in the new canon or not, in the old canon, he basically fought Darth Vader to a standstill over a bounty, and he got the helmet dent because he fired a shot at Darth Vader, and Darth Vader reflected the shot back into his helmet, and that's what gave him the dent. Classic, which also doesn't make any sense because Beskar usually, like, We've seen in the Mandalorian that it like deflects most laser blasts and stuff. So, well, in, in the old canon, his armor was not Beskar. It was is what they called Duras deal in Star Wars. Gotcha. Uh, he didn't get the Beskar until thirty years after the events of. A little mm-hmm. less. Well, he gets yeah. he gets a Beskar version when he becomes the Mandalore. Yeah, that was twenty eight years, twenty eight to thirty years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and up until that point, he hadn't in the old canon, he hadn't considered himself a Mandalorian either. Up until that point, until they basically made him a Mandalorian, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it gets funky. <laughs> um, the whole, the whole canon of Mandalore is funky, and I'm interested to see how they're going to carry that now in season three uh, of Mandalorian coming up. I'm just, I'm very interested to see how they're going to thread that needle. Well, they've, they've hit a lot of similar points from the old EU. The only difference I can see is in, in the Mandalorian, they, they mentioned that they glassed the planet, which they yeah. didn't do in the EU. They did bombard it quite a bit, but they didn't like full-on glass it. No, and the the Mandalorians are like a cross between like, in the old canon, when they when they flushed them out finally, they were like a cross between Maori and Scottish culture. And she took mm. the two warrior cultures and kind of Specifically mushed, Celtic. Mushed them together and was like, Mandalorians! Actually, <laughs> they had- I actually wrote an email to her asking about that once and she responded directly to me. That was really nice. Uh, but yeah, she said it was mainly uh, based off of Celtic with some other semi-Druidic things thrown in. I know that the Maori connection came from the fact yeah. that Tamara, Tamara Morrison is Maori. Yeah. Um and after he had played Boba Fett and all the clones now look like that, you know, it was like, okay, well, that's what Mandalorians look like now. Well, my original question was asking what she got the inspiration for Beskad was because they hadn't mm-hmm. really talked about it much. Beskad is like a Beskar sword. And it's supposed to be like some cultural thing for the Mandalorians. And she literally mm-hmm. said, it's a machete. Oh, it's, okay. It's just a machete. It's a fancy um, machete, though. Yeah. So predictions. Michael, where do you think they're going? Hold on. Besides no, just I, like... Hold on, no, I let Mallow go, but I haven't gotten... Oh, to, oh you haven't my gone, piece sorry. ...about yeah. episode chapter two yet. So I'm, I'm going to keep it real brief. Um, I thought the writing, in, like, again, for me, the writing stuck out in, chap- in chapter one. Chapter two, I thought the writing was much better overall. 
Um, and you know, I, I might be able to say that for a good portion of the story, especially the second half, there's not a lot of talking. So that is why this episode why is called they, Furious Nodding. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what they did um, the most of is just there. It's a lot of grunting, a lot of grunting, a lot of, and a lot, there's of this. a lot of donkey noises. There's a lot of grunting. Uh, there's a lot of hee haws. Um, <laughs> No, uh, but I thought, and the split, the way they did the storytelling this time, where they actually made it basically like a 40-60 split. The first 40% of the episode was just the crime syndicate stuff. The bottom second, bottom half, bottom 60% was the was the heist, the train, the train story. I like that split better. If they're going to tell you, if they're going to keep like kind of dipping in and out, I would rather do a split like that than them try to interweave it because that felt messy to me. I agree. This, the way they told it this time felt much more in line with here's, we're going to tell you everything about this part and now we're going to dive in here and we're going to give you the rest of the story here. Like, I'm okay with that. That felt better. So um, I would guess that the flashbacks are going to be done by the end of episode three. Yeah, I, I feel like they can't continue them through the entire seven episode run. I just, there's no, I don't yeah. think they can, they can do that. I think you're underestimating Star Wars. Uh, no, because I mean, like, <laughs> I, I again, like Arrow did that where it was like the first five seasons of Arrow was one year of him being on that stupid island and missing and stuff. I don't think they're going to do that because I just got to get him to the part where he shows up and meets Mando on, you know, that's that's all they the have. To, all they have to do is show him leaving Tatooine to like track down his armor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. I, I don't think they're far away from that now. Or not, sorry, not even leaving Tatooine. They have, all they have to do is show him tracking. All they have to show him is, is basically going off to track down his armor. Yeah. yeah. And you see him in Mandalorian when he's in the, the black robes, you know, following yeah, the Mando. Watching from afar. Yeah, you know, you, right. you get that. You know, they show so, like, he's tracking down his armor at that point, and he comes very close to it, and then Din Dejarik yeah. runs off with it, and he's like, well, yeah. shit, and then has to go off and hit yeah. for a little while. Um, what's the uh, what's the whole the whole trippy dream sequence with the tree and the water and the, with, the, with the lizard the lizard crawls the lizard. in his brain. Well, I mean that's I mean clearly like a Navajo vision quest, right? That's it does feel is, like that. Yeah, it's a magic tree that gives you the wood for your gaffy stick. It's a, it's a it's an Aboriginal or it's you know it's a it's a deep it's, throwback. Yeah. It's a deep um, throwback that they have talked about in the in the show. They talked about it this time. One of the Tuscan Raiders mentioned that they hadn't done something or other since the oceans were on the planet. Mm-hmm. And that's that's some pretty deep lore that, that was in the old years that Tatooine used to be a very vibrant planet. And Jawas and, Ta- and Tuscan Raiders are from the same species that have just diverged evolutionarily speaking. Um, uh, and... They're, they're drawing a lot of inspiration from a lot of Native American things, which I am not I'm not terribly upset about, and, and this kind of touches back on the cultural sensitivity thing I was talking about earlier. I'm not going to come out and call it cultural appropriation, because it wasn't. It was different. But they're drawing a lot of parallels, and this is where I wasn't happy. The train scene where the first train first shows up and they just start blasting Tuscan Raiders from the train out of nowhere, that's straight out of history that happened mm-hmm. to a lot of Native Americans and they're they're pulling a lot of inspiration from that and I kind of wish they wouldn't. Um, I'm really going to be disappointed if they keep pushing that route. Mm-hmm. And I just hope they kind of back off on that a little. I think they I, I think they will. How much of that is pulled from like the Lawrence of Arabia type stuff too though? That's also that too. 
Like, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's like a cop, like, is it, is it, does it make it worse, like, in your mind, Joe, that it's a copy-paste of a copy-paste kind of thing? Like, that it's been done before already, they should know better. It, it, I think, I don't know if it really makes it better or worse. I think it makes it a little more intentional on their part, that, uh-huh. they, that they intended to paint that allegory. Um if only because they then double down with it on the whole vision quest thing where he goes out and gets that thing. They, they're kind of like, I don't think it was their intent to be like, hey, look, we did this thing and fuck you if you don't like it. But like they doubled down on it. And that's part of what really set me off about it. Michael, it was, it, I would say it felt very much like an easy way. And I say easy, not that it's better, but it's felt like, again, for viewers, it's an easy reference to make to try to show that just like as they've shown before with the Tuscans basically everyone on Tatooine just sees the Tuscans as some kind of backwards primitive people right well it doesn't help that they also it, attack a lot of things well I mean <laughs> but again that they kind of they've they are showing they're using that mechanic because they know that that's going to pull that back into our frame of reference like we can yeah see that behavior and know exactly what they're talking about and, and it's it doesn't make it better but it, it's easy for a viewer to see that and make that connection and i think the reason it didn't strike me so much is that they have that sequence where the tuscans are like look the off-worlders do x y and z and they're showing it from the tuscans perspective right like these are what the off-worlders do and so it's kind of almost that universal like colonizers gonna colonize and that's not good Right was kind of the message that I got from that when they were like the colonizers have all these weapons and stuff that we just don't have. Well, I was you know I was just waiting for when they attacked the train for it to form up into a circle and and make a defensive structure. And if it had, I probably would have chucked my remote across the room because <laughs> um, like and I know like I'm not trying to be you know for the audience I'm half Native American I don't. I don't really claim that ancestry too much because I was raised not Native American. Um, and I just, it doesn't sit well with me when they draw those allegories for show for real life events. Yeah. Especially since that's something that really doesn't get covered a lot in the public sphere. Like the fact that Native Americans were treated very badly just kind of never really, it didn't come up with super a lot. Um, uh, Especially if you're from a place like Oklahoma where they're still treated like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not upset about it. I'm not going to go out and say they're being racist or, or racially profiling or, or cultural appropriating, but I just kind of hope they pull back from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So make a point, last- but make a point, but don't beleaguer the point, is what yeah. you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. I think that, I think in that context it works a lot better than if you know again kind of trying to hammer this thing home you don't need they don't have to hammer it home they've done it over so many parts of their star wars media where they show they've shown that the sand people the tuscan people you know are viewed as a primitive as aboriginals Mm -hmm. as primitives as indigenous people Mm -hmm. and we know how the real world treats indigenous people i do yeah Yeah. i mean and they have kind of they have kind of beat that point because that's that's pretty common. Like the Wookies, like everybody treats the Wookies badly. Like it seems to be like the humans treated the indigenous people. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, badly. like literally in Star like, Wars. 
well, Star Wars is all about colonizers colonizing and, you know. I think yeah. one thing that I really did like a lot about the Tusken Raiders, even back before they really dove into the lore, is that the native is the native people of Tatooine very clearly have some capacity for technology. They have blaster rifles. They have they have the respirators that they wear. Uh, occasionally you'll see them with some kind of like artificial lighting, though that's often implied to be stolen from somebody. Uh, but they had some technical aptitude with the, the swoops because they were immediately trying to salvage it for useful materials. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really like that kind of juxtaposition they've always had with the Tuscans. And like, and, and uh, Mallow kicked into it earlier, mentioned it as well, but it was one of the big points for me too in this first and second episode. I mean, I've always kind of been fascinated by the Tuscans, but we've known almost nothing about them. And to see the like the deep dive into kind of the Tuscan culture and how they're kind of portraying that i'm that's like one of the most interesting parts of this show to me so far in general is like building that out so that we can actually get a a view or a feel or a view for how the tuscans actually are as a people versus these you know these perceived like threats because that's how you know for the most part everyone's ever treated them in a star wars piece of media is like don't go out in the desert the tuscans are gonna fuck you up Mm mm-hmm like, I mean, for, for lack of a back. better word, yeah. they, they, they essentially, have, they've called them the, just savages, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I think I that's, a, that's another thing that's done really well. Uh, we talked about the, the uh, set design and, and some of the, the armor design and stuff, but like the way that they allow the Tuscans to have individuality within this one tribe... Uh, of it and and you get some clear hierarchy you get some clear warrior class you get you know you see how everybody sort of brings up and and comes along and things like that again there's just that other level of depth there that i just i think is is a detail that was really needed well some some of the older year i don't think it's canon anymore but in some of the older year they kind of touched on that a little bit where like everything the tuscans wear is crafted by them like they right. don't go buy it they don't have a manufacturing oh. plant so there's going to be like individual and some of it was also the, like the individual are crafted as kind of like a coming to age type thing so there'd be individual personalizations there would be tribal differences one tuscan raider may have a different design than another but one thing i really want them to touch on if they i don't think they're going to but i'd love for them to do it is to to touch on the interaction between tuscan raiders and jawas like see what their I- relationship is like that would be interesting on the Tuscan thing. So I had to go look this up because the first two episodes, the one who's been basically training Boba, right? I didn't know what it was about it, but I was like, that feels like a female presenting Tuscan to me. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. Right. So I went and looked I, it I up. Agree. It actually is a woman playing that Tuscan Raider. Mm-hmm. The one who's been training Boba. And I was like, wow, she really does like, I, but I thought it was interesting. Even in the costume design, I got that through mm-hmm. without like, it's not like she's got like giant boobs or anything <laughs> that would be like super obvious. But they but, also but but they like, gave feels like costume, a woman to me. That costume specifically is the one Tuscan costume in that tribe that has what would you we would think to be like dreads or long hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't which even could pick which up could on, be I, legitimately long hair too, yeah. The I way mean, that it it's done, yeah. it could be like dreads. Yeah, it could be. You know, yeah, it could be a dread kind of kind of piece for that for being in the sand. The combination but of that the, actually, like the the grace the of movement, the build of the raider, 
even under the costume, you, like you can kind of see, like there's a, uh, I would say, a more, more feminine build, and the grace of the movement. I, like I think all three of those things keyed pretty heavily to the fact that that character, that Tuscan, was likely a female presenting, mm-hmm. or considered like a female of Tuscan origin. I, I also yeah. really appreciated that they brought through and and. If you're not classically trained or, or for that matter, even halfway trained in any fighting styles, uh, some of it can be lost on you to a degree. But the the depth and grace that they gave to the gaffy stick fighting style, you know, as mm-hmm. they were training Boba, but you could see it through some of the rest of the, the warriors in that camp that there was a, a, a nuance and there was a style and there was a a way of being that felt correct for the planet and the situation that they were in, you know, and that's the, that, that some something that I really appreciated. You've got, you know, it, it's, it's sharp on one end. It's blunt on the other. There's a reason and why they flow in the way they do. And it, you know, it, it just made so much sense. And it was a great, it was a great moment in, in my mind, uh, watching all of that play out. Again, another, just another level of depth that, that really brought it around. On a similar, on pretty much exactly the same note, I really appreciated, like, in the train sequences, whenever they actually go to do combat, like, you don't see them standing up. And uh, there's like one or two that do, but they then immediately get shot. They don't really stand up and silhouette themselves against the top yeah. of the dune, which is a combat thing you don't stand up on top of hills because that's how you get your ass shot they would lay down at the top of the dune and and do what you would expect tuscan raiders to do because even going back to the episode the first episode of star wars when it came back in the 70s they they kind of portrayed the tuscans as being a stealthy group of people they always rode in a straight line to mask their numbers they typically ambushed people like that was their whole thing and i'm really happy they didn't just be like hey let's go run down the side of the dune at the train and get shot up yeah Uh, the last thing i wanted to touch on for episode or for chapter two was the the small again the little things that gave me joy the addition i love the fact that the mayor was a thorian and that they actually got to, they showed the Athorian like speaking using the translator. I think this is the first live action Athorian that spoke. He, he makes a noise in episode four in the cantina. Okay. But he doesn't, um, you can't, you don't understand him. He's just like, <laughs> that's one of the things I really liked about this is that they show you like he's speaking mm-hmm. his language and then immediately the translator kicks in. So you can hear his speech underneath the translator speech. And I liked the way that they, they did that. Um, I've always found the authorians to be kind of fascinating in like in the realm of star Wars and to see a live action one done. Well, I was pretty pleased about uh, the twins. Again, we talked about how good they look. Um, it's funny because the twin they mentioned the twins, they show the twins, and I kept thinking, the twins seem very familiar. Like, I, I've got to have heard about these guys before, and I went and did a little bit of checking. I was like, oh, the twins are like a new thing for the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were existing family members, like a job of family members, but it sounds like that they are new for this show. I really was impressed with the twins. I mean, they, they look good. They were menacing. I really like the sound design on the male's voice. The females, she didn't really talk enough to really get a I loved that. Feel. I loved that the female was basically like, you know, for the most part, almost hiding her, hiding her mouth behind the little, behind the fan and mumbling everything she was saying just, just enough so that, you know, her brother could hear it. 
I think yeah, that's like, gonna come like out. That. I think that's gonna come out that she's the brains of the two. Oh, for she's I'm definitely sure. gonna be the smarter of the two. Well, she's um, the one that basically was like, "You should just kill him. Just kill this guy. Like, why are we yeah. even dealing? Just kill Boba Fett." But I, I yeah. thought I don't think you guys. I don't know if you guys noticed, and I, I may be seeing this wrong, but from the scenes with the twins and they're, they're being stand, they're being held up by their servants on the on the platform. <laughs> I'm fairly certain the platform gets more uh-huh. bowed in the yeah. longer they're standing there. <laughs> and the, the front guy, the front guy is sitting there like wobbly as hell, and he, he almost he drops is. him. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought nice that was a, the little wop, the the bow in the in the platform. So, was so nice. this, this is me. This is me having to do some research today because I'm looking at the twins, and and I'm looking at them being carried and all this kind of stuff, and I'm just like, fucking shoot them just kill him right then and there uh and in some canon the huts actually have strong enough like skin and stuff that they can yeah. basically like absorb and or deflect blaster and that they can yeah, regenerate and things like blubber's, that yeah blubber's thick enough yeah yeah like it's thick enough to kind of do it and Which then i'm just sitting i had to choke java out yeah but then i'm just sitting here like i was like but then scrawny princess leia just choked his ass to death like what the fuck <laughs> like, i mean <laughs> A much smaller person, to be fair, as you know, I can say from from experience, a much smaller person can totally choke out someone who is much bigger than them if you get them in the right like position. And the way that Jabba's little wobbly arms were, yeah. <laughs> like, well, and we've seen how big the mouths are, so you know the mouth to esophagus ratio is not that much. You know, it's it's not like it's a really <laughs> tiny throat and a really wide mouth. Like, I mean, scientific discussion. A, I love sizable, this. Yep. It's the size of so, it's, it's, there. it's the Jedi version of a force choke, but with a chain. As far as I'm concerned, that's the head canon oh. now. Is how how Leia was able to defeat it. It was that was a version yeah, of the force and, choke. And I really, really a, loved the fact that they brought Black Chrysanthemum in. Yeah, so that was the thing. That's that was, that's the deep uh, cut. That when that when when most when viewers he, won't when get he, when he walks out behind from behind the the the, the litter. I was like. Oh my god, are you shitting me? I was like, I can't believe they made this little deep cut. And I thought the, the design looked great. He looked, they, they literally took him right off the comic page to put him on screen. Like he looked wonderful. The costume design was very good. He looked menacing as shit. I think they could have made his shoulder pads look a little less Koopa shell, though. And, uh, <laughs> the, the thing that I will give Disney a lot of credit for. They have not been afraid from the beginning to bring characters that were introduced in either cartoons or comic books into live action. They did it with Rogue One, where Forrest Whitaker's character had started out as a Clone Wars character. Um, they're doing it here with the thing, which brings me to my predictions question. Do you think we get Dr. Afra ever in a Star Wars show showing up in one of these? I think if Doc and her bots were going to show up, it would be in this show. Think so? And she has a connection to Kristan. Yeah, yeah, no, that's again, like, uh, you know, both well, and that's the thing, both Obi-Wan and Dr. Aphra have connections to Black, Black Chrysanthemum. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't I don't know. I would love to see Aphra and the bots make an appearance here. I would love to mm-hmm. see a live action, live action the bots live action would be I'd love to see that. Triple zero, come on. So <laughs> So that'll bring me to my last question. So this one's been reported a little bit. Now we all saw the de-aging of Luke in Mandalorian season two. Yep. Where they took Mark and they did get Mark back. And Mark was there. Mark did the voice. 
So CBR and a cup. Mark did. Mark is credited. He was credited. No, Mark is credited because they literally built his voice off of interviews and off of footage. They had a, a oh, program, AI. They had AI build the entire script for him. So Mark, they couldn't have Mark do it because his voice is just so different. It's too different. They couldn't. They couldn't tweak it back. So, so but CB yes, he is credited because they used, uh, like every all the audio they used was his audio. With with that feeling of the de aging technology and stuff. The CBR and a couple other outlets have said that the rumor is that the big, the big one that we haven't seen yet is that Harrison was disappeared from the Indiana Jones Five set for about a week, and he was over. He was over across the street at the other set, which is filming very, very, very close to it. Very so close. The question is: Do we think we see a de-aged Harrison? At some point in Book of Boba Fett, Sean was very right with his predictions in Hawkeye and took his victory lap at the end of Hawkeye. <laughs> so I'm curious about Sean's predictions here. But A, do you think we see Harrison? And B, are you okay with it? Yes, I'm okay with it. Do you think it happens? I think it's going to be a much smaller uh, segment than, than a lot of people are thinking it's going to be. I think it's going to be basically Luke was only in there for two minutes. Yeah, I think it's going to yeah, be but a, that was a badass life a, fight. A, a bigger. It's going to be a slightly extended cameo, if at most. Mm -hmm. Michael, what do you think? Uh, um, <laughs> so. The fanboy in me, the fanboy in me, would absolutely love to see a very brief appearance by Han and Chewie, especially now that they've got Black Chrysanthemum in, because there's existing relationship between Chewbacca and Black Chrysanthemum also that I would love to see them touch on, even just briefly, mm -hmm. like in this show, like even just even even if the two of them just like had to stand at each other like and face off and like you know have somebody between them being like hey 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 you know you know if, <laughs> or if Han had to be like Chewie not today like. Um, another time and then they take off on the Falcon time. yeah it, again like I would be okay with it I don't know that I don't want them to do that because I don't want them to lean on that shit and I feel like coming off of Skywalker if they bring Han in on this then they're setting a precedent that they're going to continue to do that through the rest of the series the different series that they're doing and I don't necessarily want that Mm -hmm. You know, well, we know Hayden's coming back for Obi Wan, so that's yeah. expected, right? They brought Luke back for Mando, which, in the context of the story, made at least a semblance of sense. I, I got a, I got a different, I got a different question though. Do we get Bosk? Because they, they, show they have shown the, I, I know they have showed a fuck ton of Trandoshans. And that's why I don't think they'll show Boss because I don't think they will. If they were going to show Bosk, I don't think you'd see 50 Transoceans because it's too confusing to, again, not us, but the average audience. Mm -hmm. I, I think we're probably going to eventually see one or all three of the, the, the three primary bounty hunters that are associated with Boba Fett with Dengar, uh, Bosk, and IG-88. We've already somewhat seen IG-88 in Mandalorian. I mm -hmm. forget what his designation I don't think we'll was. See IG, again. IG 11. 
yeah. IG 11. But I think that since they basically already have the IG bot model made, I think they're probably it, it, at the very least. I think he's gonna be like panning across the cantina, and he's like in the background. Maybe I don't think he's gonna have any particular like import. But the Dengar thing is interesting because he was one of the people that helped Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc the or away from Tatooine and the old EU. Yeah. The um the thing I think we're gonna see, and I think they've they kind of gave us a little bit of a preview in chapter one, is they clearly made it known that Boba had a relationship with the Trandoshans. Because of his rivalry of Bosk. Well, no, no. Uh, in in that first episode, Boba said, "I worked, you know, I was doing work for mm-hmm. this guy. I worked under him, and now I'm his boss, and this might be awkward." Yeah. So I feel like there is an opportunity for them to bring Bosk in via that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's brief, I feel like that's there. Um, I would love to see. I'd like to see like updated versions of Bosk and Dengar and Forlom and. Uh, like IG eighty eight, I'd love to see that little group. That would be the good one. Would not not IG because we've seen IG and Mandalorian, Forlom. but Forlom and Zuxus and Zuckus. <laughs> like, yeah. That oh would God. be funny. What, what about two, what about? Oh, good, good. In episode two, didn't uh, Boba Fett throw some shade at a transocean about? He made a comment to some bounty hunter or some former thug about basically him being scum yeah. or his boss was scum or something like that. Yeah, like I'm not a Trandoshan, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I what think a, that what was about, directed at Bosk. Possibly. What what about Baylor Valance? One of the other brownie hunters. Like you get you get kind of a half cyborg kind of thing. I don't I don't know how deep they're gonna go into the bounty hunter like uh, the roster for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I mean the, you know, a black chrysanthemum is a deep cut already for people that are not familiar with that character um i mean there's a lot of bounty hunters i mean jodo cast mm-hmm. i mean master mariel in, in the eu yeah i mean um <laughs> only boba fett gets to kill him right <laughs> so i mean i don't know and especially i like the fact that in this episode like two at least twice he's referred to as a bounty hunter and boba's like i'm not a bounty hunter right i don't do I'm, that's not what i don't do that well that's because that's because somebody died and he made himself king so <laughs> Like, I mean, he was a bounty hunter fair, up until the end of Mandalorian season two when he fired a blaster. <laughs> when he shot Bib Fortuna, it was like, yeah. my throne now. Big question <laughs> is, 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 uh, God, I can't, everybody knows him as Buttface. <laughs> is Buttface going to make a return in this? Uh, uh, Dr. <laughs> Mallow, do you think they're bringing Harrison back? Yes, I do. Uh, I think I think they are going to continue the fan service until they get to things like Andor, uh, and and we will get Thrawn in the Ahsoka series. Uh, we will mm-hmm. probably get Vader in the uh, Ahsoka series as well. Um, we will probably get Maul. Maul will be the thing that is interesting in the Ahsoka series. Um, Maul's, dude, Maul's Maul. dead, dead now. Well, he was somehow dead, dead Palpatine returned. Okay. In this case, in this case, based on how they ended the Maul story, my guess is you're not going to see Maul. You might see him in flashback, but I don't think you'll see uh, Maul's dead, dead now. Like more dead than Obi Wan left him this time. Falling down a reactor shaft. (laughs) Yes, in this case. (laughs) I'm still Uh, salty about Episode Nine. Not gonna lie. 
Uh, I was good until it was Palpatine. Could have been anybody else. Like clones. Yeah. Yeah. Will we get a third Ewoks film? I hope so. I liked the Ewoks movies when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. You know what? Fuck you, Ewok haters. No, no. I want to I see them bring an Ewok back into like the modern Disney Plus storytelling I, that is not the cute, cuddly Ewok. I was hoping that when they were thinking about doing the Rogue Squadron movie, which is now on permanent fucking hiatus, thank you, whoever at Disney, right? That we were going to get Lieutenant Ketch. Yeah, I mean, that's the only Ewok that makes sense to be anywhere, but... Yeah. I want to see yeah. Wedge in an Ewok suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if we're going deep cuts, we're doing it. I don't mind the Ewoks, but they can stay on indoor. <laughs> um, I, 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 I do think we're going to see a lot more cameos through the end of the rest of the story. At the very least, just being a quick pan buys. And I do think we're going to see Han Solo. I really hope it's not like a major component of it. I would, I, I would think it would be awesome if they just had him in there. It's like they get into a bar fight and there's lots of people shooting and they just kind of recognize each other and then go their separate ways. Just no, no dialogue, just kind of there. Sorry, Tip just said something in chat that has me stunned. Palpatine was explained in Fortnite? Yeah, he yes. absolutely was explained in Are Fortnite. Are you shitting me? No, this Prior is what, this is why nine. I'm this is why I'm so upset because had they put that as a stinger at the end of episode 8 what they put in Fortnite, I would not have been so distraught about episode 9 because you would have had a WTF moment past the credits. And you'd been like, wait, what? Because, you know, Snoke dies, you know, spoilers in episode eight. Yeah. Um, and you're like, okay, well, now who really is the big bad? And then you unveil it and you're like, oh, well, hell. Because you could have spent more time actually developing the fact that, like, you know, Cyborg Palpatine is off doing his thing and growing Snokes in a, in a Bacta tank himself, you know, and he's just putting them out there in the world. Um, you could go into that whole lore. Somebody just did a, a cut on the Star Wars Reddit uh, page where Leia dies in the attack on the starship. She doesn't on marry Poppins. Yeah, she doesn't marry Poppins her way back into the thing. She doesn't have to do. And man, does that feel good as a cut? Does it suck because Leia dies? Yeah, in the right way. And you could have then taken the rest of that movie because again. Kylo Ren didn't do the killing. It was his uh, two wingmen, right? And so, like, he could have been living with that regret, and then it would have made even more sense again at the end when he turns against the Knights of Ren and things like that. So, so, yeah. My only my only issue with that theory is again knowing what what was to have been, right? Where the sequel trilogy was supposed to have each film was supposed to have a, a primary focus character from the old trilogy. Episode seven was Han. Episode eight was Luke. Episode nine was supposed to be Leia because Carrie hadn't died yet. And if you've seen the stuff, Colin Trevorrow actually confirmed that the the leak that happened was true. The leak of what Colin Trevorrow had written for Episode nine prior to Carrie's death, like, is just straight out better, right? Um, Carrie sadly passed away before they could film episode nine. Yeah. You know, and so that whole plan had to be scrapped. Um, 
and it sucks and they borked it up but to go back yes michael they revealed the palpatine thing in fortnite like a week before episode nine dropped they had a, a star wars crossover event in fortnite and they did a big galactic wide radio broadcast and it was ian mckellen and it was him announcing that palpatine had returned to the galaxy and what mal is saying is, is if you would have put that as a stinger at the end of episode eight it probably would have pissed a lot less people off as opposed to going oh we're actually going to do this reveal in Fortnite, and then we're going to give you a two-line block of text during the crawl of episode nine to tell you palpatine's back because corporate synergy yeah so for those that didn't know that's what happened as someone who is familiar with the whole dark empire mm -hmm. comic series like i was okay with them doing that in episode nine but i also felt like okay well if you're gonna do that you should have like let that run through the entire trilogy at least as a like a b plot to then reveal it in the last movie like yeah at least bring out like little pieces of it here and there but mm -hmm. the way that they pulled it out in the last movie i was that disappointed me yeah i've always been a fan of like the clone to palpatine i love i liked that storyline uh but I didn't like the way that they shoehorned it in. Absolutely. Sorry, I, I'm I'm laughing now because Chad is like, I still want to see the late night Hollow Network infomercials Palpatine did to fund his Sith fleet. Yes, I want but that if, entire series, please. If you recall, was one of my major complaints when we did the episode nine podcast was that like, where the fuck did the first order get all these ships just magically out of nowhere? Well, and it wasn't so, the first order; it was a Sith order. fleet. Yeah, that it was, was a where did they get the people and where did they get the ships that they could just hide in that nebula Which, again this is this is where they've run into the same problems as the old eu is they have to go back and explain things that i really think they probably discussed in a writer's room but never made it into whatever product they were putting out because again later if you read the second thrawn trilogy you find out like, it explains it. It's like, oh, this is what Palpatine's doing. Oh! But that, but that goes back to Storytelling 101, right? Someone yeah. shouldn't have to read a book, a second a second, uh, a second, book in a second trilogy to find and out I, something about a major plot point in your And I, I agree with you 100%. And this is the problem that Star Wars have. It's the problem that Marvel's starting to have. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean... Right? Especially with the shows... If you really look at episode nine, you you realize that, that he not only funded and constructed the Sith fleet, he also funded and constructed the First Order because the First Order was his like diversionary project. Yep. <laughs> and so he not only did one, he did two of them out of fucking nowhere. And, yeah. And I'm gonna respond to chat really fast. Other doc. He didn't sell kitchen appliances. You know as well as I do. Those appliances in, was it was in every pyramid <laughs> thing ever, okay? No. That motherfucker was hawking Lula rope ants on Spacebook. It's easier okay? than that. And essential oils, okay? He had a whole downline of of reps, right? Because that's where he was making when, his money. When you're the Galactic Emperor, you don't have to get sign off on your expenses. Look. Right. Okay. That fool was doing Lula Rowe and essential oils okay he was doing some straight up amway shit okay no, you're thinking too and that's hard how he it. pays for it and you're, I think, broke you're thinking too hard into it we all it's know it's not a pyramid scheme <laughs> we it's all know level marketing that sex sells 
<laughs> oh god! And when you have a force user that doesn't have compunctions and has a clone army of himself, dude's pulling some tricks with the force. That's how <sighs> he funded it. One nine hundred sexy Sith or something like that going on. And you're saying that he had Star Wars only fans? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the all. That's the only way that explains it. Because let's be honest, in the real world, the porn industry is basically bigger than just about any other industry out there. If you combine Rax, them all, up. don't ever, don't ever Google skeeve, uh, sheave the skeeve on the Holonet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, who says wow. lightsabers have to be destructive all the time? Wow. Please don't report See, his Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> yep. That's still That's the best Star Wars movie uh, of all okay. time. the I, I love it. And now, that we've, <laughs> now that we've all determined on this podcast about how he funded the Sith fleet with a combination of multi-level marketing and OnlyFans. There you go. Right? Look, if Belle Delphine can sell bathwater, Sith if, water. You know, if if someone if someone from a, an MTV dating show can bottle farts, yeah, until they have a heart attack. Well, I mean, he's yeah. got those, he's wears those heavy robes all the time. They're gonna pick up some funk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Shiva's selling his robes, right? <laughs> selling his used robes. Yeah. I have no words. I think we've we've. We've reached the end of the Book of Boba Fett podcast tonight. Yes. I have one final the power question of the dark side. Right, okay, well, we've got, we got a final, final question. Okay. question. Which is more disturbing, Darth Jar Jar or OnlyFans Palpatine? OnlyFans Palpatine. Darth Palpatine. Jar Jar might as well be canon at this point. <laughs> Misa gonna event uh, you, Annie. I feel like it's like a, it's, it's a Sophie's choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh goodness! All right, Tipson. Tipson, they're saying we wrote another robot chicken sketch. I, we might have actually. Yeah. Hey, Tip, you guys spread the word. Me and Mallow want to write this stuff. If they give us a Star Wars show and some Adult Swim cartoons, Mallow would finally leave the I evil mean, corporate overlords. I, 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 look, did pretty well for Star Trek. Look, look, I'm really good at creating things out of thin air. Just, just look at my IG for the past few days. There's some there's That's some true. key go things in there. Go check that out. Uh, Joe, thank you for joining us. I would ask you where people can find you, but uh, much like Palpatine, you don't you don't you aren't anywhere on the internet. That you know, of. you can I mean, find true. Joe in uh, in Fortnite. Apparently, yeah, in, on like Facebook. You, you guys can find Joe at my store buying boba tea. Yeah, yeah, and you know, <laughs> off on some weird planet, secretly funding my Sith Armada. That's where I'm at. There, there you go. There you go. Uh, Michael, where can people find you on the interwebs no, if well, they geez, too want to know me, about your Sith water? Uh, you know, uh, you can find my bottled farts uh, <laughs> at. No, uh, I'm on the uh, Identico show Chaos Inc. Uh, every other Monday. Uh, with uh, these, uh, with being run over there by Alex uh, Mallow, engineering the show, um, you can find me there. You can find me on the podcast Red uh, Redemption, Star Wars actual play podcast. It takes place after the Clone Wars. Um, we are not dealing with any Boba Fett related things at the moment. So, if you want to break from Boba Fett, hey, come and give us a listen. Do do go give them a listen. Uh, it is a very good podcast. Uh, Alex, <laughs> outside of uh, your store. Where can people find you? 
I am always Alex the Humanoid on pretty much every social media device, and you can find me here every other Monday doing Chaos Inc. and every Wednesday doing Identical After Dark until we finish the cast on this new space show. Mallow and I are still talking about another show for Identical. I promise I talked to him about it this weekend. We had a long conversation. We're not we're not done yet with the story. <laughs> no, not even not even close. There is okay, actually a new Identico. Uh, yeah, well, there's there's a lot of that, and then there's also a Identico uh, living campaign that will be happening out of your store, which is Gamers Heaven, uh, Seattle. Uh, yep. So go take a look, uh, search it. Uh, if you follow him on TikTok, he does a bunch of TikTok lives where he talks to you directly from the store. He's got like a, a a ring light and a stand set up at the front of the store, so he can just like talk to people. It was yep. like I was trying to figure out who the hell he was broadcasting to while playing Warhammer the other weekend. Realized he was on TikTok it, the whole time. I was on TikTok and we had a we had a pretty good little viewer run. Yeah, so go 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 oh. harass him over there. <laughs> and buy a boba. And buy boba. Yeah, it's delicious. I don't TikTok, but Alex's videos are entertaining. Dragon fruit milk teas are amazing. I'm just saying. Dragon fruit milk teas are pretty delicious. Cool. Uh, if you want to follow any more of my hijinks and all of the crazy weird space stuff that I just announced and launched today, go find me at the Mallow Man. I'm literally everywhere as well because branding. Uh, until <laughs> next week, uh, no, this coming Monday is not a Chaos Inc. show, but we will see you again next Wednesday uh, for this show. Uh, hang tight in there. Go check out our YouTube channel. Uh, go search Identico on YouTube. Uh, PlayIdentico.com for anything that actually has to do with the game that all of this is based on, except for our for except for our uh, podcast chatting and things like that. Go support us there. Uh, we've got a ton of stuff out there for it. Uh, it's a fun game. Uh, so you know, the more that you can do out there for us, the more we can do these for you. Uh, until then, uh, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Uh, drink your water, take your vitamins, go get vaccinated. If you haven't, please stay safe uh, out there and take care of one another uh, and stay weird. We will see you all next week. Mm-hmm. Ah! Hi, everybody. Good night, everybody. Oh,